0: Did Pope Francis recently promote Bishop Barron as a bishop in Minnesota, or did he demote him? In other words, is Bishop Barron's career going up in the United States Conference of Bishops, or is it going down? Got my friend today with me, Eric Sammons. We're going to debate that. Eric is saying this is a demotion. I'm saying it's a promotion. We're going to have a friendly debate and discussion on this topic, Eric Sammons is the author of a number of books, including his most recent, Deadly Indifference, and he's the editor at Crisis Mag. Eric Sammons, how are you? I'm doing great, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Well, this would be an interesting conversation. Before we get started, I just want to encourage everybody to like the video, share it on Facebook and Twitter, and if you're new, of course, subscribe by hitting the subscribe button and the little notification bell to be notified of other great shows and discussions like we're doing today. Okay, so, I saw your tweet. Did this all happen yesterday or the day before?
1: I I tweeted it yesterday morning. It was just announced officially yesterday.
0: Yeah. So, I read you had a real long thread, and uh, you were saying that this is a demotion of Bishop Barron. And as I read it through, I I basically checked along with you and all that. But then after I got to the end and I I contemplated a little bit, I said, no, I still think this is a promotion. And I didn't want to go back and forth with you on Twitter. I just texted you and said, hey, let's... Let's run a video. Um, There's a couple of things in, you know, of course, Bishop Barron is the most popular, well-known bishop in the United States. He's the founder and president of Word on Fire. They made the Catholicism series. They make uh, enormous YouTubes with tons and tons of views, millions and millions, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. I mean, he is there's just no competition of all the clergy, except for maybe uh, Father Mike. But in the bishop world, Baron is it. And people have wondered, what is his career? Does this hurt him or does this hinder him in the long run? And he's had a little bit of controversy in the past year. And uh, you've also commented on that, Eric. Before we get into the controversy, let's go ahead and open up and we'll pray our Our Father, since everybody's in here. Oremos. nomini Patris et Fidi, et spiritu Sancti. Amen. Patronos qui cures inceli nomin tuum veniet regnum tuum fia voluntas tua suculentello et intera panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis oriae et amite nobis debita nostra si quotenos dimittimus debitoribus nostris et nenas in duca sunt in tationem salibra non amen our Lady Guadalupe pray for us in the name of the amen okay so Bishop Baron. Controversy, word on fire, Los Angeles, etc. Uh, catch us up, Eric.
1: Okay, so the, the biggest news, of course, is the fact that he was just transferred. He has been the auxiliary bishop of Los Angeles, which is the largest diocese in America, and it's headed by Archbishop Gomez, who has been what he's most noted for is the fact he's been passed over for cardinal. Uh, and just most recently it was very egregious because somebody under him, uh, technically, uh, Bishop McElroy San Diego was made a cardinal. But so Bishop Barron has been in uh, Los Angeles, I believe, six years, six or eight years, you know, around that time. And that was the first time he was made bishop. Before that, he was the rector at Mundelein Seminary. And then, you know, which was at the time when he left, it, supich had just gotten there, I believe, or recently. So there was always speculation with was, was supich kicking him out to, to send him somewhere else. But, of course, it was a match made in heaven, in a lot of ways, him going to Los Angeles because as the auxiliary bishop, because as auxiliary, he doesn't have the responsibilities of an ordinary, yet he's in Los Angeles, i.e. Hollywood, and he's—let's be honest, his media empire is impressive. There's just no other way you can put it. I mean, what they produce at Word on Fire, they produce very well-produced uh, you know, videos and, and just books and everything. So. We're on Fire is an impressive organization from a, I guess you'd call a secular point of view in the sense of what it
0: does. And, well, and, and the in, people that he interviews and engages are key influencers in the United States. That's like right, the Jordan, Jordan Peterson. Petersons people, and,
1: yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and, and so being in Los Angeles is perfect for him. And, and as a bishop, I personally thought <clears throat> he would always stay there because really it would allow him, he's still, he's got the authority of a bishop, he can speak as a bishop, Yet he also can really have his word on fire ministry, which is what everybody knows him for. I'm sure he did the auxiliary bishop duties while he was in Los Angeles. But at the same time, that's not that was never the primary thing people thought when they thought of Bishop Barron. So then I so I personally thought he would never move to be an ordinary because they just let him do his thing. But of course, Pope Francis never does things quite like we expect. God of surprises and all that. Um, And so he's now moved him to. The Diocese of Wyona, Rochester, Minnesota, which I'll forgive all of our viewers for never having heard of that diocese, except for maybe if you lived in Minnesota. It's obviously a very small diocese, 134,000 Catholics, I think, in the diocese, about 100 and I think it was 110 around that parishes. Uh, it's the southern part of Minnesota, basically. So it borders with Iowa on, on the south, and I think it's like South Dakota, on the, on the west and in, on the east, uh, Wisconsin. So it's, it's. Uh, but he is from Chicago, so it's, it's kind of close back to where he's from. Right,
0: right. And you know, I was thinking when they put him out to LA and he was an auxiliary bishop, and an auxiliary bishop is an assistant bishop. He's not the head bishop. If you're non-Catholic or you don't know how these things work, you got the, usually a mega diocese, you got a archbishop, and then he has helpers. He could have one, two, three, four, I think, doesn't LA have five? They have
1: four auxiliaries, uh, including three. baron. So now three auxiliaries. I'm sure they'll appoint somebody else. So right. four auxiliaries and then the archbishop. Yeah.
0: So it's kind of the perfect, you know, if you had a media empire, it'd be the perfect. You get to wear the bishop hat and be called okay. bishop and most reverend. Uh, but you're not overseeing the day-to-day budget and grind and controversy. None of those things really fall on you. They go up to the archbishop. Now... He has a diocese, and that's why you're saying this looks like it could be a demotion, because previously he was freed up to do his word on fire empire. Now, you know, he's going to have to show up on Saturday and for a confirmation and he's got well, more to-
1: importantly, oh. he's going to have to sit in a million meetings about like all the zoning regulations on this new parish we we were building or whatever the case. I mean, I I worked directly for a bishop of a relatively small diocese for five years. And the I mean, he was constantly going. I mean, it was from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to bed. He had work to do and he had places to go. He had things to do. And and I don't think people recognize how much bureaucracy is in even a small diocese. That's not the fault of the bishop who arrives there. I mean, just that's in place the way it is. I mean, the number of business means, because think about it like this a bishop in ordinary is basically equivalent to a CEO of a decently sized company, in most of these cases, multi-million dollar company. There are a lot of means you have that have nothing to do with the salvation of souls. And the bishop can do nothing about that. You can't, and you can't delegate it the way most dioceses are set up, maybe all of them. A bishop has that authority. I mean, he can obviously delegate certain things, but ultimately, legally, he is responsible for the buck stop. So he has to run things well or else he gets in big trouble. And so personally, I don't see how you can do both. But now I will say, I just watched his press conference that he gave when he was introduced there in in Minnesota. And he said that he, when he was in Los Angeles, he gave 10% of his time to word on fire. And he expects to do the same thing in Minnesota, which I thought was a little bit—I, to be honest, I thought that was a little naive. I—I—I—I I, I, I mean, obviously, he knows what an ordinary does, having be an auxiliary bishop. He's seen it firsthand with Gomez. But boy, if he really does—I mean, if I—I I just know this: if I'm in a small diocese and a bishop comes says, "I'm giving you ninety percent of my time," I—I I wouldn't be that excited about i'd be a little bit like well wait wait a second can i have the guy who will give me 100 percent of his time right. uh you know so okay, well, it, what if we flip it and thing.
0: say yeah but this guy's super famous and he's articulate and he's got all these books and everybody loves him now our diocese is cool right and does it help the diocese that he's so well known
1: i don't know how it really does now you could argue he's he's a very talented individual i mean everybody knows that he's a, he's a good speaker Um, and and he presents the faith as he understands it. I guess we'll put it that way in a very, uh, you know, compelling way. And so obviously there's advantage that And your typical Bishop, let's be honest, is an administrator first. They're not a speaker. They're not somebody who can present the faith and, and, and give things like that. So there is the advantage there. So maybe if I'm living there, uh, you know, and I don't know much about Bishop Barron like we do. Uh, I I guess I'd be like, I guess 90% of Barron might be better than 100% of some of these other guys. <laughs> right,
0: right. Yeah. Now, another element in here is the Joey Glure debacle, scandal, whatever that's happened in the past few months. As I understand it, uh, Bishop Barron hired this young man. His name is Joseph Glure many years ago. He had no background in uh video production. media production right. uh he is a bodybuilder and there's a lot of pictures of him on the internet with his shirt off flexing the coo is father steve is it gruno i think that's right yeah father steve gruno he's also with his shirt off as a priest flexing there's another guy jared zimmer uh their shirts off flexing showing their muscles and this kind of, for years now people have been saying why are these bodybuilder guys and if you go to a bishop baron event you see all these jack bodybuilder guys around bishop baron and then people are raising questions what's going on here and then kind of their leader joey gluer who was the production right-hand man actually you can see him on the screen here with bishop baron in the studio he's sort of a tattooed up uh buff guy um he was let go because of a sexual misconduct so can you bring everybody up to speed on that
1: Sure. So Joey Glor was uh, a bodybuilder, like you said, um, still is a bodybuilder, I believe. And he had an M- he was on an MTV show years ago, but he had a conversion after listening to, I think his dad uh, gave him something by Bishop Barron. This would have been probably before he was bishop. uh um, it was 10, 12 years ago and he had a conversion. God, I mean, that that's awesome. Praise God. And so then he, I think he was an English teacher for a while, but then Bishop Barron hired him. I believe it was in 2016. And within four years, by 2020, he was the highest paid employee at Word on Fire. He made like, I think it was $130,000 a year, something like that. And he was the head of production, video production, media production. And he had no experience before his job in doing that. And so it just, that's a little bit odd. And people might say you're being kind of petty or whatever. But the fact is, when you're a Catholic apostolate, you have to be above and beyond reproach. I mean, especially in today's world. And so that was a bit odd. And then, but he was always considered Baron's right hand man. Like when he always traveled with Baron, wherever Baron went, because he was doing the video production. I mean, I'm not even trying to imply things for people who might be trying to imply things here. Right. I'm just simply saying he was his right hand man. Well, I mean, man. let's just,
0: I, I everyone's going to go for it. Like here's a, I put him on the screen. This guy is just right. a bodybuilder, Jack tattoos. In this picture, he's got a giant crucifix, like a wall crucifix around <laughs> his neck. He's got piercings and all this stuff. I mean, it is kind of weird when you're a celibate bishop man traveling around with a guy who who is basically a uh, underwear model looking right. guy. I mean, just imagine if Scott Hahn traveled the country with like a bunch of bikini models. Right. right. That's it's kind of like
1: it is very much like that's a great. You know what I mean, analogy. like.
0: Yeah. He could be like, well, we're never in the same hotel room or whatever, but everyone just like for five years and uh the Scott Hunt doesn't do that. I'm just saying give it as analogy, you know, or pick another bishop, you know, Bishop Strickland always travels around um with ex-Hooter waitresses or something. And you know, it's just right. with the and it's just the pictures of of all the stuff on the internet. And you're like, if you're a celibate bishop and all that, and then why is he the producer? And this raises all these questions.
1: Right. And if there was only one bodybuilder who, former bodybuilder who happened to work there, well, yeah, okay. You, you hire people. But when there's three high ranking people yeah. in the organization, that are all bodybuilders. It's just, at, at the very least, it's odd. Here's, and um so, here's father
0: yeah. Steve. I'm gonna put him on the <laughs> screen. Let's see. Here's father Steve. Same kind of thing, you know, just like, you know, I'm i you know, my with my sons are like, Hey Dad, let me see your biceps. I flip my biceps. I'm not <laughs> saying that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, if you're a priest I remember watching several years ago, there's Father Steve and uh he did a video that his clerical shirt ripped off of him when he was moving. He's like, Mom, my muscles are so big, my clerical shirt ripped right here, or whatever And I was kinda like, I don't know, like it's not a sin, it's not wrong, but it's just right. kinda like why are you making a video about how your clerical shirt just ripped off your Right. Giant chest or back or whatever. You know, it's just. I think a lot of it is We're on Fire is known
1: for trying to, what they would call, engage the culture. And I think what some critics would call be like the culture a little too Mm. much. And I think traditionally Catholics have always understood that it's not just a matter of not sinning. You don't want to give the appearance of sin. You don't want to give the appearance of anything untoward to the public as much as you can, especially if you're a public figure, a bishop, a priest, something like that. And so I do think these were some. They they sent some wrong signals, at the very least, out. And then, of course, so the most recent thing was is that somebody noticed that all of a sudden, Joey Glor, who was in on their website, had been tweeted about social media all over the place. All of a sudden, he just completely disappeared. Like, there was no announcement made, but it wasn't just that he wasn't working there anymore. It's like they went back, and they did the Stalin move of just taking him away from all their previous—they they delete all their old social media— took him away from the website, got rid of as much as they could any reference to him, which that alone is a terrible way to handle something like that. So what happened was, well, did he they
0: was, announce anything like he was terminated no, or he just disappeared? Okay.
1: He just disappeared. This was back in Octoberish or something like that. And so essentially what happened was he was accused by a number of women outside of work, uh, supposedly of, um, of sexually harassing them. I mean, being aggressive with them, uh, things like that. So, they did end up firing him. And and the actual part about them firing him, from what we know, it doesn't sound like they handled that part in any illegal way or even that bad of a way. It sounds like when Bishop Barron found out about the, what happened, he, he referred it to the board. And the board looked into it and said, yeah, we're going to terminate this guy. OK, I, I'm not I'm not accusing them of in that part doing anything wrong, but it's just what happened next was the public relations. Remember, that's what they're known for: is communication, public relations all that stuff. The right. public relations, the way they handled, was awful. It was very much the typical Catholic institution of we have to protect the institution above all else. We put the institution above any victims, above anything else. We have to make sure Word on Fire doesn't look bad. And that's when they
0: and they Word on Fire do. is a multi-multi-million-dollar thing. I like guess it's, it's right. not just like this is publications and right. movie videos, and I mean it's a big deal. I
1: think it was boy, I might get this wrong. I think it was thirteen million is how much they make like a few years ago, how much they brought in a
0: few years ago. But yeah, I so had it's, heard eight. I had heard eight.
1: So Okay, so it's something in that yeah. ballpark. So the point is is that if a company, a secular company, P and G, IBM, something like that, if they have a situation like this where one of their their highest paid employee, their one of their top people, this the happened, highest
0: paid. Joey Gou is, is the highest, highest paid employee. Yeah.
1: That's right. He was the highest paid. I don't know where he ranked in the high, you know, in their in their flow chart organizational chart. I just know he was the highest paid employee in 2020. It's the last we have numbers for. But I think if you just simply try to ignore it, act like nothing happened, that shows a real problem because you're not willing. I mean, just from a, if I'm a secular consultant and I'm just saying, listen, you got to get in front of this. You got to come out and just say, here's what happened. Here's what we did. The steps we took. Now we're moving on.
0: Yeah, I mean, if Joey Gore was sexually harassing women, why not just say, hey, one of our key employees was, uh, we did an investigation and he's terminated. We've been rooting for our website. We want to be transparent. I think everyone would have given a standing ovation to that. They would have been like, well, maybe you choosing this guy to be your front guy and your producer, Joey Gore, was a bad decision. But once you realized that, you got rid of him and you told us, instead of trying, like, did they not think, the entire Catholic community was not right. gonna notice that their bodybuilder right. dude disappeared.
1: Right, I mean, the right-hand man of, of Barron. And so, ultimately, they didn't come out and say anything until it was discovered what happened. It came out that there was a meeting back in October, internal were on fire, and the transcript got got leaked, and, it's, and it sounded like from when I looked at what I saw was Bishop Barron seemed at best tone deaf, just tone deaf to the, the seriousness of the accusations. And, and so, you know, frankly, all the bishops at, we almost want them to be tone deaf. That's an improvement for most of them. Um, but so, but then they, and then they had a statement where they basically were trying to, they're very defensive saying, we're the greatest. We're so good at, at, at this, at the whole like sexual abuse. We, we don't, we take it seriously. And then when the story leaked out more then they came out and attacked the messenger attacked, you know, and so I they thought played, that was,
0: it was seemed to me that we're on fire was saying we're the victim.
1: Yes. In their first paragraph of their second press release about this, they basically in the first paragraph, they mentioned how members of the staff had been threatened and and whatever, which I obviously if that happened, those people are awful who threatened them. But like you, what you've done there is you set the tone. You said, we're the real victims here, not the women who were sexually harassed by Joey Glor were the real victims, which I think is a terrible, obviously that's terrible. You, you got to lead with, we, we, you know, we feel awful about these women and we're going to, if we can support them in a way we can, and we took these steps to make sure this doesn't happen again. And you, and that's all you do. And so really the, the reaction was just, was just awful. I, I mean, the way they, they, I, so I really, my big criticism of them is the initial High oddness of the hiring of him and, and others like him, and then how they handled after it was found out publicly that this had happened. Like the part of them actually determining him, from what we know, sounds like that was probably handled uh, properly.
0: Yeah. Though, you know, in the, the meetings that were released, I don't know if it was legal or not, there was the idea of the quotes from Bishop Barron, if they're legitimate, the alleged quote right. to Bishop Barron that, well, you know, we don't want to ruin Joey Guler's life. Yeah. You know, these are accusations and that kind of when a bishop right. is saying those kind of things post 2001, two, three, all right. the way up post McCarrick. Boy, that that really ticked off a lot of people. If yeah. And if I
1: forgot about one of the things he also he named one of the victims in this group in this staff meeting, according to the, and I want to make sure it's clear. This is according to the leaked transcript. Now, I will say that word on fire acknowledge the existence of transcript and they never said it wasn't valid. They never said it wasn't accurate. Okay. They just simply attacked the fact that it was released and they probably, it might've been illegal that that was released. I don't know. But he named one of the victims in that, and a lot of people didn't know that, and that's a terrible thing to do. Obviously, this woman deserves her privacy, um, you know, unless she decides to go public with something and give her name, she deserves her privacy. So that was, that part, you're right, was handled uh, poorly, that that meeting and how Bishop Barron acted, if that's all what what actually happened.
0: Yeah. So, so here's one of the reasons, um, you know, getting back to is Pope Francis promoting or demoting Bishop Barron here is, you know, Bishop Barron is, is kind of, has been in a bit of a dumpster, dumpster fire the last few months and word on fire. Although it's not necessarily based in LA, they still have, I think the Chicago presence. I think they have a Texas presence. That's right. Um, so they're kind of, all kind of over, but it seems in Joey Glure, the former producer of Bishop Barron, who got all everybody in trouble here. He's in California. I kind of wonder if part of this, one reason why I say I think it's a promotion is it's sort of, it's a pivot, it's a move, it's a rebranding. You know, he's no longer the auxiliary hanging out in Hollywood. He's now the hardworking, you know, nose at the grindstone out in the middle of nowhere at a little humble diocese being the bishop. And I don't know. What do you think about that, Eric? Am I off on that? I mean, it's possible. I just... I, I
1: don't know. I, I, I personally don't think the promotion or demotion, the move, we'll call it. I mean, just so everybody knows, strictly speaking, it's obviously a promotion. You go from auxiliary to an ordinary, that is in church legally, canonically. I mean, it's in, only in the sense of like you do, if, for example, if you're seating by ranking, you now rank higher. The, True. You know, that's all I mean by True. that. But obviously, politically, it can be. A, a demotion or a promotion. I think that the, the issue is, I don't think this move had anything to do with the recent controversy of the galore. I, I really don't. don't because I don't okay. for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think this would have been in the works before uh, this happened That's a good uh, because point. this really came public in the last month. Second, I just don't think the Vatican cares about that stuff. I, I mean, look at who they've, what they've done. They have had Right. I mean, they have a Legion of Christ uh, bishop who was just promoted to cardinal, who associated with, uh, you know, the just being associated with legions enough. Um, they they have, I can't remember where it was. Another one of the people who was promoted to cardinal in another country. I can't remember which one it was. Now he also has in his past a cover up of an b- abuse situation, right. and then of course McElroy, who knew about McCarrick. He was right. told by Richard Seip that about McCarrick's dealings and did nothing about it. And then there's other examples that we could just go on. Yeah, And, on and honestly,
0: with. we know from Cardinal Tobin in New Jersey, you know, having models with their shirts off right. is no big deal. He had one living with him, right. and he had the text night, night, baby and all that. Right. So that's
1: his sister. Come on.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, so when you got a guy and he's got like his clothes ripped off and he's all oiled down. And I mean, the Vatican really does not care.
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think this had anything to do with that part.
0: of. And you, I think the best the, the best example or that is this. These move transfers actually take more. The, when did the Joey Guler thing break?
1: It was in May. It was just a OK. A, so, a, yeah, a ago, yeah, these
0: things take what? Six months, a year. Right. right, right. A I mean,
1: show. yeah, at least it, it's been at least in discussions for a while. What do you do with him? So then the question becomes. There's two different schools of thought about this move. One, you know, which is what I kind of think is like this is an ability to get him kind of out of the limelight and by the by the um, responsibilities of an ordinary diminish the impact of word on fire. And I can explain why I think that in a minute. But then the other yeah. idea is that this is a stepping stone. I've seen other people other than you as well say, basically this is to get him ready. He can manage guys. He see how right. it goes. And then when Boston or whatever comes up a, a real a, a big archdiocese that would be you know he could then go there there's some people and i this would petrify me the idea that uh the cincinnati archbishop mine he retires next year
0: mm. and well, that's uh, too quick that's too quick
1: i think so too yeah. i think so too this is people were speaking like this beforehand but i i don't think i would think he'd have to be there for at least a couple years but here's the problem with the couple year pro- thing is there's a real good chance Pope Francis won't be with us in two years. I mean, he's 85 years old. He's had some serious health problems. And, you know, I, we don't know that. And he doesn't know that. But it seems like if if you're really promoting him, this seems like a long game that might not be finished because who knows what the next pope would do. He might not go along with that. But so anyway.
0: Well, and you, but you have to remember, sadly, what what moves the bishops and what moves the Vatican. They don't want to be shamed. They don't want to be in scandal and money, sadly. Yeah, there are good, great bishops out there who are motivated by the salvation of souls, getting people to heaven, sanctifying grace, sacraments and all that. But when you really look at the machinery, and I don't think there's anyone who's going to honestly debate this, that in 2022 money and escaping scandals are at the top priority list. Of Yeah, and I don't want to be, cl- I agree with you
1: that completely, but I don't want to be clear about the money thing. It's not that most of these bishops are like, in it for money to live an opulent lifestyle themselves. It's a matter of keeping the trains running on time. Yes. They don't want to be the bishop who has to go through bankruptcy. They just want everything to, their, their whole job is whack-a-mole. And so they just want to keep <laughs> everything as calm as possible. And if you don't have money flowing in, you can't do that. And so that that's... So I think you're absolutely right that that is essentially what it is. It's just like a good corporation head, which is not what a bishop should be. Uh, you know, he wants the money flowing in, not necessarily because, I mean, obviously he wants to enrich himself on some level, but it's more a matter of he doesn't want the company to fall apart. He, You need that money to keep right. coming in to pay everybody, to, to to make everything happen.
0: And who's good at that? Who's the best bishop of doing that in America? In America? I don't know. Who do you it's think It's
1: Oh, I mean, just to bring money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, you mean you think he's don't ever, know about yeah, people
0: but. are going, people have no problem, right? I mean, you said it's either 8 million a year or 13 million a year and we're on fire. Like he knows how to get it done.
1: Oh yeah. No, he, he definitely he knows how to make content, but he also
0: knows how to get the donations and how to get the income and how to make all that stuff. So one reason why I think he's being promoted and not demoted is that he is seen as a guy, just like mccare I'm not. Saying he's wicked like McCarrick, right. but McCarrick was known as a money guy. Absolutely, he could get the checks. You know, he could float projects. He could bring together investors, and they could create things, right? And do that things was the for Rome. One
1: thing the reason he rose is because exactly. I, mean, I, I lived in the diocese when he was Archbishop of of DC. I was living there, and his ability to fundraise. I mean, we look at him. I mean, obviously, even through the lens of after 2018, before that, even you look at him like, how's this guy, but no, he could raise money. And that's why he became one of the most powerful Cardinals in the world.
0: And that's why I think he's going to get promoted. I think this is getting him out of a little bit of trouble. Maybe not now that you kind of made that case, I'll actually grant that to you. That's, that's something I hadn't thought about, but I think this, this puts him in a pod waiting for the next Cardinal C to open, right? You know, and then, it also puts him in the Midwest, and I really think the the most powerful person in the American church is Cardinal Supich, not even Gregory. Though Gregory's Agreed. coming up there. But Supich right. is the eyes and ears of Francis. Agreed. And it puts him in the Midwest, waiting for, you know, give him three to five years. And then you give him a legacy, and you promise him the red hat, and you say, hey, let's start fundraising these projects, let's help, help Rome, let's do all these things. And that's the kickoff. So but, counter but that. I, why is why am I wrong? Why is it okay. more of a demotion?
1: couple reasons. The first one is, uh, I, I just think that Francis seems lately to be being more urgent in his decisions because I think he knows he doesn't have much time left. I mean, you saw it with the appointments this week of McElroy and some of the other cardinal appointees, but also with Supich and the others going to the Congregation of Divine Worship. I mean, he's really trying to make his mark right now. And I think that, to me, that seems like too much of a long game. But I think the real reason I think it's a demotion is because I think the perception of Pope Francis, the American bishops, he hates almost every one of them. Yeah. He can't stand people like Cordelione. Obviously, he probably didn't, didn't care about Strickland. Gomez. But, you know, Gomez. I, I mean, don't think he likes Dolan. Right. No, Arnold Arnold Dolan. Dolan. Dolan does not like him. Um, and I think, I think, honestly, Dolan uh, being the one to announce – uh, McCarrick being the first one, I think that was a dig at Francis, to be honest. Um, and then he does, and he doesn't like um, uh, who's the other one? Uh, sup, uh, um, not Supich, He loves Supich, um, uh Chaput, when sup- Chaput was, you know, denied right. being oh, a yeah. cardinal, so he looks at all of those guys as, no matter what we think of them, his perception is they're these American kind of conservative po- political culture warriors. The type of things he hates. I mean, obviously, he's a culture warrior, but he sees them as culture warriors in the conservative sense, which is the worst. And I think that for better or worse, or right or wrong, I think he puts Barron in that category. And if you look at liberal Catholic.
0: uh, I'm going to disagree with you, but keep going.
1: Yeah. So they can't stand Barron. The liberal
0: Catholics. Okay. I think we're back. We just lost it. Okay. I'll, I'll, For I'll some reason, sometimes away. YouTube is cutting us off at a thirty-minute live. I don't know. Sometimes it's the full hour, and then sometimes it's at the thirty-minute we get cut. But we're back.
1: Okay, we're back. So my point is, is that I think that Pope Francis sees Bishop Barron in this light of the of kind of the the more culture warrior types. And if you look at liberal Catholics, they really don't like Bishop Barron anymore because of the fact that he's embraced people like Jordan Peterson, Brett Weinstein. He's gone with the real anti-woke thing lately. And I they hate that. They hate that with a passion. Now, you and I both have our opinions of of Bishop Barron there are not not do not agree align with that. But I think that he has Francis, that is has put Barron in that grouping of the uh, Corleones and the the uh, Chaput and people like that. And so this that's why I think this is just like we can kind of cut him off at the knees, put him in this nowhere diocese where he has to be ordinary so he can't spend as much time on his videos interviewing people like Jordan Peterson, stuff mm, like that. And so that's my basic speculation of why I think it's a demotion.
0: Okay. And then they found a very sort of— rule non-metropolitan diocese right place him there. Okay, so let me counter some of that. Um if that were the case, why even make him a bishop at all? Why give him might give him the the power to be an ordinary and have influence over a diocese? And then I think the Bishop Barron, in my opinion, as I've watched him over the past seven years, every year, although he does interview with Jordan Peterson, but let's be real honest, like in the Catholic church, Jordan Peterson represents morality, virtue, making your bed and generic theism. Right. It's not any of the rigid traditionalism that you and I promote, right? Live, right? (laughs) So like, yes, I can see liberal Catholics, you know, woke San Francisco type, whatever being like, I can't believe he's has Peterson on. But in the Catholic Church, he's edging left and left and left. I mean, he's been vocal for James Martin's book. Um, when he was on, uh, he talked about how he wouldn't overturn Oberfeld for a gay marriage. Um, he was generally, he did show up for a rosary, but when they were ripping down the Unipersera statues out in California, he was generally hands-off. I mean, right. Archbishop Carleone was the more vocal one. Right. Um, and he seems to be more and more in line with the policy of the USCCB. For example, when the USCCB put out that dreadful statement on, on a uh, death penalty, Barron is the one that read. Right. The death penalty, anti-death penalty statement. They got Barron to do it. And to me, when I saw that, I said, okay, the USCCB is no longer kind of keeping Barron away. Like, where are you? What are you doing? Do you think you're better than us? Cause you have a YouTube channel and, a ministry and all that. And I think at that point, I realized no, they realize they can let him in and they can use his persona and his reach and his platform to baptize their own agenda. On this case, right. death penalty, maybe in two years on immigration. Right. You know, or yeah, think- not refusing communion to pro, you know what, uh, politicians. Right. He's useful. He's useful in letting, you know, the older age Catholic audience, which is very much his audience, telling them what is Catholicism and then also how to fundraise for that brand of Catholicism. And so I think woke agenda is not as important. I think the USCCB and people in Rome are like, that kid is useful and he's got a lot of years on him. Let's give him a red hat and he'll do what we want.
1: Yeah, I, I think, though, the one problem is, is that I think the Vatican, or Pope Francis particularly, hates USCCB. He doesn't like them, even though they try so hard to please him, because I think in the leftist mind, I don't think— by You say the way, Francis
0: or Barron doesn't like USCCB? Uh, Francis. Francis, yeah.
1: And I think in the left—I don't think, for example, Bishop Barron is like a true leftist. I think what Bishop Barron is, is he— sees which way the wind's going and he goes that direction which is what a lot of bishops are and so but for the true leftists like uh, uh pope francis and like a lot of his advisors there they demand 100 percent conformity with the plan and baron does not give them 100 percent. so what happens is he can become a useful tool ha, you know he can it, you know as an auxiliary bishop of Los Angeles, he can't be controlled as well as he can be as a bishop in some nowhere diocese that's, that's because a good point. the USCCB can still use him for all their purposes in the Vatican, you know, for fundraising. and all that. But now the hope is his outward, his, his outside ministry, so to speak, we're on fire, his anti-woke stuff, all that stuff that gets diminished. And now basically all he does is he reads statements from the USCCB about <laughs> the death penalty <laughs> and things like that. I mean, I think that's, that's a good point. Right
0: I now. like it, Eric. That's a good point.
1: I try. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the the thing is, is that we both know this is speculation. We both know neither of us know the definite answer to this, but we do— what will happen will be how we'll know is in the next few years. What happens to him? Does he stay there the rest of his career? Well, then I think we all kind of would agree probably a demotion. Does he then move on? Does he move on a couple of years to some significant, uh, diocese become a Cardinal? Then I think we'll know, okay, this was just a plan to eventually right. make him a Cardinal.
0: And you know, another, another thing on the menu here is Baron can't Bishop Baron can rebrand himself. Yes and you got to ask yourself okay with the Joey Gore thing and the scandal and Word on Fire kind of having you know this blemish on it he may just decide well i'm done with Word on Fire i'm going to now become working on becoming a cardinal and getting to, and being the most influential in the catholic hierarchy as opposed to being in the culture especially if his interviews with Jordan Peterson and that kind of stuff is constantly hurting him and you know causing friction with brother bishops he could just rebrand himself entirely right I mean, he could rebrand himself as like his best friend
1: I'm, yeah i'm rolling up my sleeves i'm a hard working bishop here in the midwest right uh, and now he did say in his press conference that his plan was so world on fire has an office in illinois i think they've one in dallas and they have a production team in la that basically films all his stuff he said the he's bringing up the production team to minnesota with him okay and then the other two offices will stay as they are now whether or not those people want to move i mean he might have to hire a new production team who's going from santa barbara necessarily to minnesota i don't know uh so he will he he, his plan is to continue to do that but i think it will be interesting in the next year will his actual involvement how much will it will it actually diminish i honestly if it doesn't diminish I, i i i would Frankly question how well a job he's doing as an ordinary of a diocese because ordinary diocese is more than a full-time job It's like, you know three jobs in one I mean, and that's the thing is I as much as we criticize the bishops and I think they deserve it The fact is it's a terrible job to have right be ordinary of a diocese And it's it's a thankless job and it's got so many demands and pressures that I don't think most people understand so doing that plus being the face of this multi-million dollar ministry media empire I
0: don't know. I don't right. see it. Yeah. You know, going back to the bishops, I kind of see three camps within the United States Conference of Bishops. You have what I might call your Pope Benedict conservatives. You've already named a lot of them. Right. All right. So we're talking about Corleone. We're talking about Gomez. We're talking about Dolan, Cardinal Dolan. um, these kind of names. Now people might be saying, yeah, hey, Taylor, those, those guys aren't conservative. They're not traditional." I know I'm not saying that they're conservative or traditional. I'm saying that the way they understand the church and the way they understand politics and the way they understand liturgy and all that is very much Pope Benedict sixteenth era, right? All of those guys are in trouble with the current regime, right? Then you have your, I would call just friends of Francis, uh, these were people who, in the old days, were aligned with uh, Bernadine McCarrick, the old Mahoney. guard. Yeah, that was sort of contrary to, always kind of goading and kind of going against John Paul II a little bit, just pushing right. things, pushing on John Paul II, especially as he got older. And then they kind of went out of fashion under Ben the Sixteenth, and you had your Dolan and your Gomez and your Corleone and your Stricklands and those kind of right. people, right? So what we've seen since Pope Francis is, is those two camps. And we've seen the elevation of that old McCarrick guard, but it has to be rebranded because of what happened to McCarrick a few years right. ago. And so what you're seeing is, is your Cardinal Gregory and your Cardinal Supich and those types of, are being elevated up. And then in the middle there, you have, I think, maybe 60% of the USCCB are kind of like what you said. Look your finger, right. find out what's going on. I'm in this podunk diocese. I hate it. I got to get out. So somehow <laughs> I've got to reconform my image so that I can maybe go to a better state or a better city where I can retire and be done. Right. right? More career uh, clerics. And so I think what's happened is, is during this time, you're seeing a lot of the younger bishops. uh sort of say, well, yeah, I think, you know, BLM is awesome. And no, you shouldn't weaponize the Eucharist for politics and all that. And what they're doing is, is they're just shifting themselves and branding themselves. Just like we saw under Benedict. A lot of those people started saying, oh, I think ad orientum could be good. You know, like whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever Pope Benedict was into, they kind of move that way a little bit. And so they're just sort of adjusting. But the people who have always been strident pro-Pope Francis they have been promoted. And let's be honest, we can both agree. Barron is very pro Francis. He praises oh, yeah.
1: him. Yeah. The The question is is he that because he, he's just kind of putting his finger up in the wind, or is he a true believer? Like we know people, someone like Supich, Tobin, McElroy, those guys are true believers All the way. of Francis. So 100% have the exact same agenda. Uh, and, and so we know them. And then I, I personally don't think Barron is of that camp. Uh, I think he would like to be friendly with them because he knows that's the way forward for more influence in the church, but I don't think he personally is that um, invested personally into that agenda. Uh, I think though, I mean, if I was looking at the cardinal appointments, and what's interesting is Pope John Paul II, who made some completely awful cardinal appointments, uh, he was very much strictly stuck by the, you you take the cardinal at C's and you make them Cardinals. I shouldn't have made those people bishops of those seas. So Chicago, right. Boston, Detroit, <clears throat> you know, there's just a few of them. And Benedict basically did that, although he added Houston, which actually that was a good sign of okay, the, the Southwest United States is becoming more Catholic and more, more alive and all that stuff. So I got that one. But with Francis, he's actually all the bishops who are bishops of those cardinalate sees, traditionally cardinal at sees, who were appointed by Benedict have not been made cardinals. Correct. So that's, that's, you know, every single one of them, Shapu beforehand, Gomez, I mean, every single one of them, he's purposely avoid them. And now he's even going and appoint, not even waiting to move McElroy yeah. to an actual Cardinal. Let's see. He's just like, OK, we're going to make you. I mean, for all we know, maybe he'll make Barron Cardinal while he's still in Minnesota. Right. I
0: mean, well, and, so. and Tobin was made Cardinal in New Jersey, which is not traditional.
1: Yeah, he was actually named when he was in Indianapolis and yeah. then they moved him to New Jersey before he was actually made Cardinal, you know.
0: Uh, so, so Cardinal in, under Francis is becoming who out there agrees with me perfectly. Okay, you're a yes. Cardinal. As that's opposed right. to, which is really the more traditional way of, there are certain C's that are cardinal and you place your man there and then he becomes right. a Cardinal after a little bit of testing. Maybe right. one or right. two years and then he becomes Cardinal. That's, that's the more traditional way of doing it. So, okay, so let's wrap up here. Did I convince you with any of my points, Eric? You still going to go with the motion? I'm still going to go with the motion. Okay. I
1: I do think, though, ultimately, I think Francis is hard to read.
0: Uh, I think if he really, I don't.
1: (laughs) I mean, in the sense of how he gets, how he, I feel like
0: I could write his speech for tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Well, that part, yes. I mean, as far as how he will achieve his goals. I think if, if he's going to try to use Barron in a way that he thinks advances his goals, I personally think that means basically demoting him, making okay. him a useful spokesperson for the USCV as they want him to be. But other than that, just stick him where he can't do too much damage.
0: So no red hat.
1: I don't think so. No. Okay. I think that I think he's stuck here. Obviously, you think
0: he's too associated with the be- Pope Benedict Guard.
1: Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and the and he is looked at as. Uh, is too conservative, which I know you and I might chuckle at, but right. I think they're, they're true believers over there in Rome. And if you don't 100% conform to the party line, which he doesn't, I mean, the fact is Pope Francis made very clear. He does not want people to engage in the culture war, stuff like that. So when he has Jordan, when, when Baron has Jordan Peterson on, right. he's disobeying that desire of Francis.
0: Yeah. So. See against that, I don't think that Francis cares about Jordan peterson or these things i think what he most cares about do you support francis and do yeah, you support well, i agree with his that. documents and do you do you support his agenda i honestly think that's all he really cares about if you said hey bishop baron interviewed these conservative culture warriors like ben shapiro who's pro unnatural marriage anyway right i mean he's conservative but um, that at mean? the end of the day, I think Ben Shapiro ideologically lines up pretty close to Francis. People might find that shocking, but if you went issue by issue, it would probably be the case. So I, I honestly don't think that he's being punished by having these conservative commentators on. I think they're setting him up because they know he's useful for media outreach and money, and they need both of those things desperately. Look, the USCCB ever since McCarrick has a major PR problem. Maybe Barron can help them. Unfortunately, in the last few months, Barron is in his own PR problem. And maybe they didn't know that when they moved him. I don't know. Right, right. Um, But I think he's going to be kept there in a pod for two to five years. And if he's a good boy and he's been helping them and he's the spokesperson for USCCB and helps raise money uh, and goes along with the Rome agenda... I think they're going to continue. This is just part of the promotion. And one of these C's, he'll get. Right. And, and, and I, honestly, as we said, you actually don't even need to get the C to get the red hat. Right.
1: It's just Francis's way of saying, this is one of my people who is following the party line. Therefore, he will get rewarded for it. That's right. basically what the cardinal means. To
0: and, me. and look, the loudest voices in America right now are Cupich and and James Martin in the right. Catholic Church. Those are the loudest two voices biggest outreach James Martin has a bigger outreach than Bishop Barron. Yeah. James Martin doesn't have the videos but when you look at like his speaking schedule and his book sales and his Twitter following and all that he's huge. Yes. James Martin and he has following not just amongst Catholics and boomer Catholics and all that he's followed by the blue check marks. Absolutely, yeah. Right. Um and Bishop Barron is in line with James Martin. Promotes his books. Appears with him on stage. So I honestly think that over the years, Bishop Barron has drifted and drifted from being maybe a under a Pope Benedict regime or pontificate sort of a little bit on the right to ever since Francis every year ticking to the left. And I think what since he's doing that and since he's tracking, he's going to get rewarded and he's going to get promoted. That's my final word. Very good. <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Well, um, all you watching, leave a comment below. Is this a promotion or a demotion? And uh, you know, one of the one of the outcomes here could be they themselves don't know. Let's give them three years in a That's small true. diocese, and then we'll know.
1: That is true. It could just be a testing period. Like we'll yeah. decide. You know, how does he? How does he respond to this, and then we'll decide one way or the other. We
0: know this this appointment didn't happen without Supic being consulted. I believe Supich is consulted oh, on every absolutely. every absolutely. bishop appointment in the United States. So I it was agree. floated to Supic, saying, "Hey, we're going to take Barron out of L.A. Where, what do we do with the guy?" And he might have said, like a godfather, "Well, I don't know if he's ready for right." For a fancy, it's kind of like when your son turns 16, you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're not getting a new car. I'm going to give you like right. this old beat-up F-150 in case yeah. you wreck it, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. That <right. laughs> way <Well>, you can <laughs> get to and fro school and work, but, you know, not nothing too fancy. And that might be, that right there might be the real answer.
1: That's true.
0: He's got pluses. He's got minuses like you and I have both gone over. Right. And uh, they'll just say, let's give him a few years. Yeah. And then if he turns out to be a Gomez, we just keep going he a Gomez. That's yeah. Right. And if he turns out to be a Tobin, he gets a red hat. That's right. Good. All right, friends. Thanks for watching. And uh, again, if you like this video, please hit the thumbs up button. You are my algorithm. Uh, YouTube is not going to promote this video, so please share it on Facebook and Twitter. And if you're new, please do subscribe to this YouTube channel. You can hit the subscribe button below and hit the notification bell. Uh, You can also watch Eric Sammons on the Crisis Podcast. Subscribe over there. Um, Make sure you pray the rosary every day. If you don't pray the rosary, you're not on the team. It's not enough just to talk about things going in the church. We have to actually receive the graces of sanctification to transform the church. So pray your rosary every day. Find a traditional Latin mass. Um, Go to confession every two to four weeks. Today's first Friday. I'm about to get off here and drive straight to church. Go to confession, God willing, and go to mass for first Friday. Uh, Please pray for my two sons who are being confirmed tomorrow uh, in the traditional rite. Excited about that on the vigil of Pentecost. Eric, anything you want to add? No, I, I just... Pray the rosary, pray the rosary, pray, pray. the rosary. Go, go Latin to Mass. Mass. For
1: confession. That's right, go Latin Mass, absolutely. My daughter was just confirmed at Easter, so uh, that was exciting in, in the traditional form, so mm-hmm. it was great.
0: Good, good. All right, well, thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks to everyone who supports this channel on Patreon. If you want to get signed books and support the work we're doing, go to patreon.com forward slash Marshall. And until next time, remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth, so go out there and be salty God bless. Godspeed. Eric, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye.